Chapter One of More About Pixie. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Judy Mason. More About Pixie by Mrs. George DeHorn Vesey. Chapter One A New Neighbor the night nurse was dusting the room preparatory to going off duty for the day and sylvia was lying on her waterbed watching her movements with gloomy disapproving eyes for four long weeks ever since the crisis had passed and she had come back to consciousness of her surroundings she had watched the same proceeding morning after morning until its details had become almost unbearably wearisome to her weak nerves first of all came mary to sweep the floor she went down on her knees and swept up the dust with a small hand-brush and however carefully she might begin it was quite quite certain that she would end by knocking up against the legs of the bed and giving a jar and shock to the quivering inmate then she would depart and nurse would take the ornaments off the mantelpiece flick the duster over them and put them back in the wrong places it did not seem of the least importance to her whether the blue vase stood in the centre or at the side but sylvia had a dozen reasons for wishing to have it in exactly one position and no other she liked to see its graceful shape and rich colouring reflected in the mirror which hung immediately beneath the gas bracket if it were moved to the left it spoiled her view of a tiny water-colour painting which was one of her greatest treasures while if it stood on the right it ousted the greatest treasure of all the silver-framed portrait of the dear darling most beloved of fathers who was afar off at the other side of the world tea-planting in ceylon sylvia was too weak to protest but she burrowed down among the clothes and moped to herself in good old typhoid fashion wish she would leave it alone wish people wouldn't bother about the room don't care if it is dusty wish i could be left in peace don't believe i shall ever be better don't believe my temperature ever will go down don't care if it doesn't wish father were to come home and talk and cheer me up <laughs> the tears trickled down and splashed saltly against her lips but she kept her sobs under control for crying was a luxury which was forbidden by the authorities and could only be indulged in by stealth the night nurse thought that the patient had fallen asleep but when she went off duty and her successor arrived she cast a suspicious glance at the humped-up bedclothes and turned them down with a gentle but determined hand crying again she cried oh come now i can't allow that what are you crying about on such a lovely bright morning when you've had such a good night's rest i had a horrid night couldn't sleep a bit i feel so miserable wailed the patient dolefully 
i'm so tired of being in bed you won't have very much longer of it now your temperature is lower than it has ever been this morning you ought to be in good spirits instead of crying in this silly way come now cheer up i'm not going to allow such a doleful face i'm very cheerful when i'm well ask aunt margaret if i'm not i've a most lively disposition everyone says so whined sylvia dismally i'm tired of everything and everybody so would you be if you'd been in bed for two months tired of me as well as the rest yes i am you are a nasty horrid strict cross thing but a smile struggled through the tears and a thin hand stole out from beneath the clothes and pressed the white-sleeved arms in eloquent contradiction whatever sylvia was tired of it was certainly not this gentle sweet-faced little woman who humanly speaking had brought her back from the verge of the grave she snoodled her head along the pillow so as to lean it against the nurse's shoulder and said in weak disconnected snatches i'm sorry i'm so horrid i feel so cross and low-spirited i want a change can't you think of something nice you're going to have some beautiful chicken soup for your lunch it is in a perfect jelly hate chicken soup hate the sight of soup want to have salmon and cucumber and ice creams and nice rich puddings nurse laughed complacently <laughs> oh so you shall some day glad you feel well enough to want them now would you like to be carried to the sofa by the window for an hour this afternoon while your bed is being aired and made comfortable i think it would do you good to lie in the sunshine and the doctor could help me to carry you it would be quite exciting to see a glimpse of the outer world wouldn't it rather i can't believe that everything is still going on just the same are all the neighbors alive still is the old man at the corner alive has the little girl at number five grown up and put on long frocks i feel as if i had been lying here for years and years i believe i've grown grey myself give me a hand glass whitey let me see how i look whitey walked obediently across the room and brought back the silver-backed glass from the dressing-table she was accustomed to her nickname by this time and was indeed rather proud of it than otherwise she had been known successively as spirit of the day and the white nurse during the hours of delirium and the abbreviation had a natural girlish ring about it which was a herald of returning health there look at yourself miss conceit she cried laughingly and sylvia held the glass erect in both hands and stared curiously at her own reflection she saw a thin clear-cut little face with arched eyebrows large brown eyes an aquiline nose and full pouting lips 
the cheeks showed delicate hollows beneath the cheekbones and the eyes looked tired and heavy otherwise there was no startling change to record i don't look as much older as i expected but i've got a different expression whitey a sort of starved wolf haggard tired out look just exactly like i feel aren't i beautifully thin it's always been my ambition to be slim and willowy like the people in fashion plates i shall be quite a vision of elegance shan't i whitey hm well said whitey vaguely you must expect to look very slight after lying in bed for so long but it doesn't matter about that you won't trouble about appearances so long as you feel well and strong again yes i shall said the invalid stubbornly she turned her head on one side and stared intently at the long plaits of hair which trailed over the pillow her kenwigs as she had dubbed them after charles dickens's immortal miss kenwigses who are pictorially represented in short frocks pantaloons and tight plaits of hair secured at the ends by bows of ribbons my kenwigs look very thin she said anxiously i used to have three thick coils people's hair doesn't come out after typhoid fever does it whitey i shall be furious if mine does oh hair generally comes out a little in autumn replied whitey easily now you've looked at yourself quite long enough i will put back the glass and prepare some food while your aunt comes to see you but i shall tell her not to talk too much for the doctor won't let you be moved if you are looking tired and exhausted sylvia sighed to herself for interviews with aunt margaret were a decided trial in these days of convalescence when every nerve seemed on edge and ready to be jarred she was nearly twenty-two and for the first year after leaving school the dear old dad had been in england and she had had the most delightful time travelling about with him he always declared that he was a poor man that tea was doing so disgracefully badly that he expected to retire into the workhouse in the course of the next year but all the same he never appeared to be short of money and the travelling was done in the most comfortable and luxurious of fashions sylvia was his only child and in his eyes was the most beautiful and accomplished creature in the world so that it was a trying experience to be domiciled with an elderly maiden aunt whose ideas were as early victorian as her furniture who had forgotten what it felt like to be young and was continually aggrieved because her niece had not learned to be old during the long year of idleness sylvia had cherished the idea that her father would take her back to ceylon where she would reign as queen of the bungalow charm the hearts of the coolies by her beauty and dignity pay frequent visits to candy and become one of the favourites of society but when it came to the point it appeared that he had no intention of the sort in two or three years he hoped to be able to settle in england and meantime his ambition for his daughter demanded that she should remain at home and devote her time to music for which she showed an unusual talent if he had other reasons he kept them to himself 
but as a matter of fact he dreaded a possible marriage abroad which would condemn the girl to a life of separation from so much that is good and pleasant and if any qualms arose as to the cheerfulness of the home in which he was leaving her he consoled himself by the reflection that he would be able to make up for temporary deprivations in the years to come mr trevor sailed off to the east and sylvia took up her abode at number six rutland road in an unfashionable suburb in the north of london and settled down to being a good industrious girl with what grace she might she did not understand aunt margaret and aunt margaret felt it a decided trial to have her sleepy home invaded by a restless young creature who was never so happy as when she was singing at the pitch of her voice rushing up and down stairs and playing silly schoolboy tricks but fate had ordained that they were to live together and they had jogged along more or less peacefully until that unlucky day when the girl had sickened for her dangerous illness then indeed aunt margaret realized that she had grown to love her wayward charge and all the manifold demands and inconveniences of illness were swallowed up in anxiety during the first anxious weeks she allowed not only one but two of those dreadful nurses to take possession of her spare rooms submitted meekly to their orders and saw her domestic rules and regulations put aside without a murmur of protest but when the crisis was safely passed and recovery became only a matter of time the old fussy nature reasserted itself and her eyes were open to behold the dire results of a long illness this bright october morning she came stooping into sylvia's bedroom a slight woman with a narrow bent back brown hair smoothed neatly down on each side of a withered dried-up face with a patch of red on the cheekbones and sunken brown eyes roving restlessly to right and left she wore a black stuff dress a satin apron with pockets and an edging of jet and knitted mittens over her wrists a typical old lady of the ancient type yet as she stood beside the bed there was a curious likeness to be observed between her face and the one on the pillow and sylvia recognized as much and felt a thrill of dismay at the thought that some day she too would be frail and bent and wear a cap and mittens and have rheumatic joints and attacks of bronchitis if by chance she was so imprudent as to go out without putting on galoshes a woolen crossover and a big silk muffler beneath her mantle to one and twenty it seemed an appalling prospect and one to be shunted into the background with all possible speed well my love and how are you this morning much better i hear a good drop in temperature said aunt margaret pecking her niece's cheek with her lips and answering her own question without waiting for a reply as her custom was nurse tells me that you will soon be up again and i'm sure it is time this room needs a regular spring cleaning and as for the new drugget on the landing three new spots of milk this morning to say nothing of what has gone before 
if i had known you were going to be ill i would have made the old one last another year for it is sheer waste of money buying new things to have them ruined in six months the last one was down thirteen years and looked very little worse than this does now father will buy you another you must put it down as one of the expenses he won't mind so long as i get better said the invalid wearily whereupon aunt margaret drew herself up with an air of wounded pride indeed my dear your poor father will have enough to do to pay all the doctors and nurses without being called upon for extras i'm willing to bear my own share though i will say my stair carpets have had as much wear and tear in the last two months as in half a dozen years before and that nurse ellen is a most careless creature she leaves everything in a muddle if you get up my dear you must wear my wadded jacket i had a young friend she was the cousin of sarah wedderburn who lived in stanhope terrace and married young johnson of sunderland you've heard me speak of the johnsons who were at school with your aunt emma sylvia blinked her eyelids in a non-committal manner which might be taken either for assent or denial she was afraid to confess ignorance of the johnson family lest aunt margaret's love of biography should take a further flight in order to recall sarah wedderburn's cousin to her remembrance and what did she do she queried weakly don't tell me anything gruesome please aunt because i feel so low-spirited this morning that i can't bear anything depressing i should be very sorry to depress you my dear nothing is farther from my wishes and if she had been careful nothing need have happened her sister told me it was all her own fault for not being sufficiently wrapped up i'll tell you the whole story another day when there's more time for now i must go out to do my housekeeping these meals will be the death of me the cloth is never off the table i quite expect mary will give notice at the end of the month and goodness knows what we shall do then for it seems impossible to get hold of respectable girls the milk bill has just come in for the month ruinous ruinous now my love you must really cheer up and try to look more like yourself perhaps i shall find you on the sofa when i come back tell nurse not to use my best cushions your own pillows will do perfectly well she bustled out of the room and sylvia stared into space with a doleful face it's all very well to ask me to be cheerful when she tells me in the same breath that i'm ruining her and her beloved furniture i'm sure i didn't want to be ill if dad were at home he would never reproach me the tears were very near falling once more but just at that moment there came the sound of a manly footstep and in walked the doctor large stout beaming a very incarnation of health and good spirits well and so nurse tells me you think of going to the seaside to-day you are getting tired of yourself and want to change eh? i don't wonder at that you think you would enjoy having a little peep at the world again let me feel your pulse and see if i can allow it the pulse was quite satisfactory so nurse and doctor promptly set to work to spread blankets on the couch 
draw forward screens to prevent possibility of draught and bank up pillows to allow a glimpse of the road beneath then sylvia clasped her arms tightly round the nurse's neck the doctor raised her feet there was a moment's dizzy confusion while her eyes swam and her ears hummed and there she lay on the sofa as at the end of a long and arduous journey while her attendants wrapped her up in blankets and eiderdowns and looked anxiously to see how she had borne the exertion the little face was very white but bright with pleasure and excitement and the offer of smelling salts and cordials was laughed aside with good-natured contempt no no i'm all right just a little breathless after that whirl through space how funny the room looks i've looked at it broadways so long that i can't recognize it from this point of view is that the water-bed what a strange-looking thing just like a lot of hot bottles joined together it is comfortable over here i'd like to stay all day oh oh here's the butcher's cart how lovely it is to see the world again the jovial-looking doctor shrugged his shoulders as he took his departure the poor child must have been in sad straits indeed if she found the sight of a butcher's cart so exciting he would have enjoyed sitting beside her and listening to her rhapsodies but was obliged to hurry off to other patients while whitey seated herself beside the couch and began hemming strips of muslin to be made into those starched cap strings which were tied so jauntily beneath her chin oh whitey cried sylvia i feel better already it all looks so bright and cheerful and alive i'm simply dying to go out for a drive and to see the people walking about i used to think this such a dull little road but now it seems quite gay and fashionable i've seen three perambulators already to say nothing of the butcher's cart i wish the number seven lady would go out for a walk and let me see her autumn clothes she wears all the colors of the rainbow and looks like a walking kaleidoscope whitey oh whitey the weak voice rose to a squeal of excitement and the nurse bent forward curiously to discover the reason of so much agitation to the ordinary eye however there was nothing to be seen for sylvia's outstretched hand pointed to a semi-detached villa in no way distinguished from the rest of the row it's taken she cried number three is taken it has been empty for a year and i've simply longed for someone to come for it is the most convenient house to watch and i take such interest in the neighbours it's pretty lonely for me here for i haven't a single girlfriend father kept me at school in brussels for the sake of learning the language but almost all the girls were french or american and none of them live in london aunt margaret introduced me to some young friends when i first arrived but i thought they were horrid prigs and i suppose they thought i was mad so the friendship didn't progress i amuse myself with my music and in dreaming of the time when father comes home but every time a house changes hands i have a wild hope that there will be a girl in the family who would be lively and jolly like myself i'm very nice when i'm well whitey i am really you needn't laugh like that i dare say you would be fractious yourself if you had to lie in bed for months and months and had an old griffin to mount guard over you 
who made you eat against your will and bullied you from morning till night what was i talking about last oh yes i wanted to ask if you had seen anything of these new people and what they were like i haven't had much time for looking out of the window but i have seen a young lady and gentleman going out and in i think they are a newly married couple for they look very juvenile and affectionate he is dark and handsome and she is fair and i should say very pretty sylvia's face clouded with disappointment oh bother the husband she won't want me or anyone else to interrupt the duet i do wish it could have been a family with a daughter the curtains don't look newly married whitey no they don't i thought that myself the house doesn't look as smart and fresh as one expects under the circumstances but perhaps they're not well off and had to be content with what they could get you should not leap to the conclusion that she won't want you brides often feel very lonely through the day when their husbands are in the city and i should think she would be delighted to have a friend of her own age so near at hand we will watch and see if we can get a glimpse of her she is almost sure to have gone out for a walk this fine morning and if so she will come home in time for lunch from that moment sylvia's eyes were glued to the window and every woman between the ages of sixteen and sixty was in turn heralded as the bride and scornfully laughed aside by the nurse i told you that she was young and pretty she repeated laughingly i didn't mean that she was a schoolgirl or a middle-aged woman if she's coming at all she'll be here within the next half hour so lie still and rest and i'll play sister anne for you ten minutes passed twenty minutes thirty minutes and whitey was beginning to hint at a return to bed when at last the longed-for figure hove in sight sylvia raised herself on her pillows and peered eagerly forward her scarlet dressing-jacket making a brilliant patch of colour against the background of white she saw a slight graceful figure clad in a tightly fitting black cloth costume and a mass of flaxen hair beneath a sailor hat and even as she looked the girl raised her head and stared upward with eager interest she had a delicate oval face and grey-blue eyes beneath thoughtful brows but at the sight of the invalid the whole face flashed into sunshine and the lips curled into a smile of such irrepressible rejoicing which was more eloquent than words the next moment her head was lowered and she walked demurely up the path dividing the little gardens while sylvia lay back on her pillows a quiver with excitement oh oh the darling what a perfect duck of a darling did you see her smile didn't she look glad to see me whitey why did she look so pleased what can she know about me my dear has she seen the doctor's carriage drive up at all hours of the day and two nurses going in and out to say nothing of the bark which was laid down on the road she must have known that someone was seriously ill and no doubt the servants have told her that it was a young girl like herself yes it was delightful to see her you won't have any better congratulation on your recovery than that smile whitey she's in black brides don't wear black they were obliged to wear it sometimes dear you can't lay down a rule about such things 
she looks too young to be married she ought to play about with me for a year or two first i hate that man for taking her from me that's the girl i should marry myself if i had a chance do find out what her name is whitey mary is sure to know for she gossips with the other servants while she's cleaning the steps yes i'll go back to bed now i'm tired and i don't care to see anyone else i'll go to sleep and dream about that smile End of chapter 1